0: Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast by Penn State fans for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast, where we talk Penn State football, basketball, and all things Nittany Lion Athletics. Thanks so much for
0: joining us on this Wednesday evening. Vince, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Just enjoying Happy Valley and everything that it has to offer. I've been enjoying some basketball this week. We're going to talk a lot about Penn State basketball. Coach Rhodes getting two consecutive road victories, both by double digits. First time that's happened since 1995. The Nittany Lions beat the Indiana Hoosiers in Assembly Hall for the first time since 2014. So the last time that happened, we were in college, which is a long, very long time ago. Yeah. So really cool. And also made it to the my first women's basketball game this weekend. And it was a lot of fun. First time at a women's game. It was their pink zone game. So they're celebrating breast cancer survivors. And that was like really cool. And it was actually really packed. I wasn't expecting that many fans to be at the game so it was a really good atmosphere and the speed of the game was actually pretty fast like i feel like the women almost play at a faster tempo than the men so it, it was it was a really entertaining to game to watch but even though they didn't beat the michigan wolverines still a still a great time good stuff
1: yeah and uh on that note too ashley owusu continues to really make a name for herself as a nittany lion she's picking up Big Ten honors pretty much almost on a weekly basis at this point. So what was your impression of her as you got to watch her out there?
0: Definitely has has some moves. She's definitely the player on the team. If you need someone late in the shot clock to uh, create their own shot, like that, that's her job. Like That's her biggest role on the team.
1: Good stuff. Yeah. So what does uh, what the women's schedule look like kind of going forward here in the short term? Because, I mean, obviously we're kind of in the meat of the Big Ten schedule, so... Well, actually, no. I have a note here. Their their next game is against Iowa, number two Iowa. Oh, going to be on the the Caitlin Clark show.
0: Yeah, Caitlin Clark in in Des Moines. I remember when the schedule came out. I was like, I need to get a ticket to go watch Caitlin Clark play. And then I saw, and I was like, Oh, of course they're on the road. And like last year, I think like Penn State played Iowa before. Like the Caitlin Clark train was like kind of a big thing. Yeah. So. Bummer to miss out last year. However, the men play at home, you know, today. It's going to be today when the podcast release. So, yep. you know, they're going to be playing at home. So that's going to be a lot of fun. They tip off at seven. So, you know, watch the men's team and then go home and watch the women's. That'll be a Who great they time. play? The men. Iowa, actually. So they both play oh. Iowa tomorrow. So kind of a, a, a unique schedule there. Also, men's and women's hockey will both be on the road. Women have the series this weekend at Robert Morris. So if you're in the Pittsburgh area, definitely check them out. The men's squad is going to be traveling to Minnesota this weekend for a series. And Iowa seems to be the theme this week for Penn State. 9 p.m. Friday night, baby. Penn State wrestling. And, you know, I I think Iowa, how high are they ranked? Are they number two in the country? are currently ranked number three. They the three. were ranked
1: number two, but they suffered a an upset defeat to Michigan. I believe they were Ooh. at Iowa for that too, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, so don't exactly quote me on that. But yeah, it was uh, definitely kind of a shock. Some wrestlers on Michigan's side, I believe, got some falls in that matchup to score some extra points. So definitely an upset. Moved Iowa from number two to number three with Oklahoma state taking their place in number two, if I am remembering correctly, but yeah. So Penn state is going to take on Iowa at Iowa, number one versus number three, two best programs in the big 10. So it's got all the markings of a marquee matchup.
0: Yeah. Friday night. You love to see it. So really looking forward to that this weekend. Not too much going on at home. Men's lacrosse is going to be home versus Villanova. They unfortunately suffered a close defe- defeat. They lost thirteen to twelve to Colgate at home, and their opener, opener, yeah, as they are ranked number four. So hopefully they get get things back on track. Women's lacrosse is heading to, or going to be home against Penn for an exhibition at three o'clock. So if you are a lacrosse fan, definitely make it out to Happy Valley. Men's gymnastics will be home this weekend versus Ohio State. Yeah, and then on Sunday. We have our men's basketball squad. They are going to be traveling to Northwestern, the take on Boo Booey and company. Maybe get some revenge after losing at home after blowing an eleven point lead after halftime. So hoping to get some revenge there and upset the Wildcats. So that'll be a fun match. And yeah, those are the the really big matchups. Women's basketball is also going to be at Wisconsin. They have a three p.m. tip off. So a lot of good Nittany Lion sports. And then the following week. Uh, we got some good stuff going on as well. We have the BJC Duel Monday night wrestling in Happy Valley, 7 p.m. versus the Rucker Scarlet Knights. And then Tuesday, the women's lacrosse team will be traveling to Bucknell to take on the Bison in Lewisburg, very close to our hometown. Valentine's Day mashup. We got men's basketball at home versus Michigan State. And on Thursday, we have women's ba- basketball at home versus illinois so definitely a lot of fun events happening in the valley this week a lot of road matches so if you're in that you know pittsburgh area or maybe you live in the midwest and you're listening to the podcast make sure to cheer on your nittany lions
1: yeah very good yeah i'm sure we've got some chicagoans out there who are also penn staters go make their way up to evansville
0: oh of course and there's direct, direct flights from State College that go there, so <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna go anywhere, <laughs> As we, be like we
1: know, <laughs> As that's we, like yeah,
0: <laughs> it's like one of like the three places you can fly from State College. So if if you're gonna go anywhere, like you know Evanston, that's the clo- pretty much the closest Big Ten school you can travel to for Happy Valley residents. Yeah, I guess it would be wasn't, wouldn't it? I
1: guess maybe would it be quicker? Would it be quicker to fly to Chicago or drive to Maryland?
0: Well, I think if you include like how early you get to the airport and until you get off the plane and actually to Evanston, I I think it might be longer because I think to Maryland, it's like three and a half hours, give or take. And then I know the flight to Chicago is like an hour, a little over an hour, maybe an hour 15. So it's a really short flight and you can get there pretty quickly. But, you know, getting in and out of the airport and, and that whole process always takes a while. So it's true cool so let's swing back to basketball though so
1: obviously that was kind of the big news penn state upsetting indiana at home their first win at assembly hall since 2014 like you mentioned uh there was a funny graphic that i saw on facebook i believe it was it was like which of these teams suffered the worst loss like the weekend and like penn state beating indiana was on there i was like damn man you couldn't just call it like who like what was like the more surprising or bigger upset you had to frame it as like who had the worst loss it's like come on like we're not like you know (laughs) we're not what was that like fake football high school out here like we're (laughs) we're 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 a program that just came off an ncaa appearance or a tournament appearance like let's not just pretend that we're (laughs) like some jv squad like it's cool you could just say that it was an upset but yeah i just thought that was funny
0: yeah and and heading into this weekend the the biggest surprise to me is they were able to accomplish this without their leading scorer Kanye Clary. In the Minnesota game he unfortunately suffered a concussion. So he's been out I'd expect him to be out back returning to, you know, basketball soon. Typically about a one week time frame is very common in in terms of a concussion. But I was expecting this to be be an ugly match. I'm like who else is going to handle the ball? But You know, you get Ace Baldwin, he's out there playing 20 minutes or 40 minutes a game, not going to the bench because he's the only one who can run the point now. So, but he, he stepped up and he, I feel like he's one of those players like Jalen Pickett, who, you know, the longer you put him out there, the better he does. Something I think that's different about Ace Baldwin in the beginning of the season compared to now is he's just shooting with a lot more confidence. He's knocking down those three pointers. He's not just getting to the basket. So when you can score at all three levels, you know, taking it to the rack, the mid-range game, three-pointer, you're a lot harder to guard. So he's been doing really well. Three-point shooters have been doing better. Now the Rutgers game was a really ugly performance. They shot like pretty, not pretty. yeah, gritty, not pretty, right? So it was like it might have been like twenty-five percent, maybe. But fortunately, we we're going against Rutgers, which is like the only worse team than us at shooting the three. Apparently, they were like one of 17 for like six percent and like below like like 33 is pretty bad so to to see them shooting six (laughs) percent that was pretty wild and you know you got to give kudos to penn state for how they responded Rutgers really came out in that one and they punched them and punched penn state in the mouth there was like no doubt about it Rutgers was gonna getting some rebounds and really dominating the glass and that was their offense essentially and they had a period of time i think it was like 17 minutes where the only points they got were some free throws so penn state you know after maybe a little bit of a slow start they they brought their level of defensive intensity up to such a really high level they created a lot of turnovers early on when they were not scoring and that really kind of kept them in the game just creating all those turnovers which when you're a bad rebounding team and you're last in the big 10 in rebounding Really important, like you create some turnovers to give yourself some extra possessions. So those were some things I loved to see, and then against Indiana, it was the Jameel Brown show. And I've talked about this on the pod several times. If you you know go go back last year, I'm like I love Jameel Brown's stroke. Like he has such smooth shooting form. And last year his his percentage was not very good, but but his technique looked really good. And this year. When he's been in he's made the most of his opportunities early on before he got injured he was like one of the best three point shooters in the nation. One of the games I went to he was six of eight for three against I think it was like Delaware State at home so he's very capable of getting hot and man he was heating up knocking down his threes Zach Hicks is like really hitting his rhythm he's a great three point shooter and he he's something I've noticed especially that Indiana game is he's not forcing the three he's waiting till he has his balanced feet and that's just so important like the percentage of a catching three catch and shoot three versus when you're you know taking a dribble to the side or a step back three the, the percentage of that is is really difficult like Seth Landy was really good at that last year and so you might think that's an easy shot but really what Seth Landy did last year was really impressive that's a very high Degree of difficulty shot because your weight's shifting backwards as opposed to your having balanced feet and your weight going forward and carrying you through the shot. So, really exciting to see Penn State, who's shooting their season average has to be below 30%. Like, they have not had many good three point shooting games, but to see them have shooting 57% from three, like, it was just incredible. And Bigger road win for for Coach Rhodes and the team, and just the the way the team played, just really good shot selection, and just like it, it, it's good to see them finally capitalize because when they're playing their best, like we've seen them beat number eleven Wisconsin, who I think has actually only moved up in the rankings. Last I checked, they were number six. So like, yeah. Penn State can play with anybody, but you know they got to control the controllables on defense, which you can bring great defensive intensity. Every single night you can know your assignments know where you're supposed to be that's a given, but you know sometimes threes fall sometimes they don't that's that's just basketball. it happens, but if you can play that level of defense and you know you can shoot well, especially when you're not known to being a shooting team, yeah, they can compete with anyone it's it's really really exciting ace baldwin's playing great, especially in the absence of Kanye Clary, he's really been stepping up. DeMarco Dunn's been contributing. He's been knocking down shots. And really just the whole team really stepped up. And it kind of makes me think of, I remember when I was younger, my parents were Duke and UNC fans. And my dad liked Duke. And Shane Battier got hurt for Duke. And really everyone around that team elevated their game and get better because they're like, hey, we can't rely on, on Shane Battier. And when the shot clock gets low, you know, Kanye's kind of the guy they look to to make a high degree of difficulty shot and i think everyone has really stepped up you know, in in his absence and i really like the performance of to Wahab i like that they're getting him the ball in the post a little more when i was watching that minnesota game as minnesota was just chipping away very quickly at penn state's 16 point lead it was just it, kind of infuriating that they weren't getting q the ball more and He was like six of seven from the field and like like Minnesota couldn't stop him, but Penn state just was not giving him enough touches. He has a nice jump hook in the paint there. He, you know, defends the rim on defense on the defensive end, you know, definitely their leading rebounder. So he's been playing at a very high level. He does everything you want a center to do really good shot selection. He doesn't try to be like a hero, knock down threes. Like he's, he's doing everything you want your big to do. And, they need to continue to find him and get him the rock because those jump hooks are just so difficult to block. It, even if you're taller than Qutis Wahab, which not many people are, he's 6'11". Just because your body, your outside shoulder is to the, the outside of the defender. So they really have to like almost go through your body to try to block that jump hook. So really difficult to block that shot. You, you saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar do very good at it and that, that's not that hasn't changed. So the fact that he's able to knock, knock down those shots at a really high percentage, has a nice touch on the ball, he, he's on fire right now as well. So I love what I'm seeing from this Penn State squad. It needs to continue. I'd expect Kanye Clary to be back in the game versus Iowa. Hopefully we'll see him. But if not, Penn State, I think, is in good hands, especially good with some extra, extra days of rest going from a Saturday to a Thursday game. For sure. Yeah. And on the
1: note of Ace Baldwin Jr. as well, it was just very recently announced that he was named to the Nye Smith Defensive Player of the Year watch list. So his efforts are certainly not going underappreciated or unnoticed.
0: Yeah. He has a very good chance to lead the nation in steals. And like, I have not seen anyone with as quick of hands as him. Like maybe De'Aaron Fox, who played at Kentucky and he's on the Kings now. He is, he was, he has super quick hands, but like, Ace Baldwin is impressive. Just the way he just goes in when you're not expecting it. And he's so quick to, to steal the ball. And, you know, that changes the game. And when you're not a great rebounding team, especially, you need plays like that to keep yourself competitive. Good stuff. You and, got anything and, else on uh, basketball? Yeah, that Indiana performance is great. Like Indiana was a lot bigger than them. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about Penn State needing to play big. Penn State won that rebounding battle versus Indiana. They won by a good margin, especially in the second half. They really locked down. So we've I've talked about, like, hey, they got to be mentally tough and they got to play big. And even Coach Rogue kind of talked about it in his post game presser after blowing that 16-point lead to Minnesota. He's like, we're not a mentally tough team right now and we need to get mentally tough and be more consistent. And he's 100% right. They went to Rutgers, a game where points are very hard to come by. Rutgers is a really good defensive squad and they just, you know, it, it seems like you were playing a game. The The commentators were making this analogy too. It was almost like when we were playing Iowa and football at home and we were just doing like three yard run, three yard run, three yard run. Like that's kind of what they were doing. Just controlling the ball, running down the clock, bleeding the clock out, just like you would do in a football game. So it was kind of cool to see them win in that way and be smart and understand the situation of the game. Yeah. Versus Indiana. The, let me look up the rebound margin quick here. It was, it was great. Like that second half was so good. So good. So you had Penn state, despite being the smaller team, maybe this was Rutgers. Cause they only out rebounded Indiana 21 to, or Indiana out rebounded them 27 to 21. So let me go back here. That must've been the Rutgers game. Yeah. So despite Rutgers having Clifford Awarrier, that they out rebounded Rutgers 38 to 29. And that limited Rutgers' second chance opportunities, especially when they're shooting one for 17 from the field. Those three point shots that hit the rim and then bounce far away, those ones are probably the most difficult to rebound in terms of defensive positioning because it's harder to box out the guy farther away from the basket. So the fact that they were able to you know limit Rutgers chances, really impressive.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So do you think
0: this type
1: of performance or this level of effort, especially like from a rebounding and a
0: defensive perspective, do you expect that to continue? Yeah, I hope it continues. And I think it'll be good to get Kanye Clary back. I feel like you could almost argue that maybe they're, you know, doing better now, but you know, Kanye's game is so good. He's he's a guy who's really special and can score in a lot of different ways and get steals on defense. So I, I think it'll be exciting. Now, when Kanye comes back, the other guys can't like you know take a breath and relax. Like they got to be playing with their heads on fire, like they have been this past week. And I don't know if like Coach Rhodes calling them not mentally tough that really like you know got them in, in the zone. Maybe maybe that that worked for them, and that's that's something they, they need to keep up doing. And Iowa's going to be a, a tough test every time I've seen Penn State play Iowa. It's always close. I remember a couple years ago we won in double overtime. Last year we won. I think we won by two points, but we were up like 18 or something. So we almost blew like an 18 point lead and we had to hold on. As was like Chris Murray was coming back for Iowa. So, and I was a very beatable opponent too. They're only 13 and nine on the season. They are six and six in big 10 play. And this is a really big matchup for Penn state. Cause right now Penn state is on the verge. Of, you know, the difference between, a double buy in the big 10 and playing the first week. It's one game. Like if you look at the four seed right now, Minnesota has the four seed at six and five, and that gets you a double buy in the big 10, which is huge because you don't have to play those first two games and you have fresh legs. And especially when you're a team like Penn state who likes to run a lot of full court pressure that can create a lot of turnovers But also, you're burning matches, right? You're burning energy playing with that level of defensive intensity across all 90 feet of the basketball court. So that's huge. Right now, Penn State sits at number 10. So right now, Penn State has the last spot at five and six in conference play. So this matchup against Iowa is huge. They're just above them at number nine, also with the five and six record. So the higher we can get up, the better off Penn State's going to be by far. So really, if they can make their way up to that top, you know, top four seed, there's no way they're gonna catch Wisconsin and Illinois. They're they're at eight and three. You'd be hard pressed to get up that high. Purdue at ten and two. You're you're not gonna catch them. But if they can get up to that four seed, I I think it's doable because because they do play Minnesota, who's above them, they're gonna be playing Northwestern, they're going to be playing Nebraska. They get Indiana again at home. They get Michigan State at home, Iowa at home, Maryland, who's number eleven they get at home. So all the teams that are above them, they, they got a chance to fight their way up. Like they control their own destiny here. So Penn state can continue to play this at this level. Like they might be able to surprise some people if they can get a, a nice win streak going and maybe they'll get back into that NCAA tournament conversation, but that's only going to happen if they take care of their business and, you know, start racking up some W's because 11 yeah, and 11, that's for sure. You're 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 nowhere close. You really gotta (laughs) they they gotta win like eight out of their last ten to really get into that conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. So on that note, what would you say is your score prediction for the men and
0: women both playing Iowa? Interesting. So my score prediction, I'm gonna take Penn State over Iowa. It's gonna be an overtime game. It'll not be decided in regulation. On the men's side. On the men's side. Okay. I'm gonna have the men winning. 91 to 89. Okay. And on the women's side, Caitlin Clark is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Oh, uh, I'm going to say Iowa 98, Penn state 86. Okay. All right. So a
1: respectable loss, but yeah. Yeah. When you, when you're dealing with a human flamethrower, it's,
0: uh, there's only so much you can do. It's insane. She's like shooting half court threes. Like it's nothing. Like almost like it's she's doing like threes from the logo and just money every time. I think she's like
1: such a cool story because, you know, you see all these these lines of people like waiting to get into these Iowa games and stuff like that. And just people coming from all over the country to see her like it's it's hard to find a player who is that polarizing, you know, like they're 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 not that common. So I think we should, you know, appreciate her being in the sport and drawing so much attention because now, I mean, it's like like now there's so much there's more attention on female sharpshooters than like ever before because now you also have like that three-point shooting contest with Steph Curry so I think it's really neat to see the game growing in this way even though I'm not like a basketball like a historian or you know I'm not I'm not big as big into basketball or uh, breaking down the stats like you I just think it's kind of neat just to see like you know new ways the sport is is growing
0: Yeah, something that's kind of, like, caught me really off guard, or or I find shocking, is that three-point percentage has gone up significantly, but the free-throw percentage has not. Interesting. So even though they've moved the three-point line farther and farther back, the percentage, like, is very high. But, like, if you get free-throws... Like athletes just can't knock them down, and you think three pointers would be harder because someone's playing defense on you and it's farther away. But a lot of people struggle with free throws. Like Rutgers is a a Division One basketball team, they shot like fifty percent, and you you see Penn State shooting fifty seven percent from three against like Indiana with defense. Like it's very surprising. It's got
1: to be a mental thing, right? Like when you're in the point, you're in the moment, you know, you're just kind of operating on instinct and muscle memory and stuff like that. But then when everything slows down and you're alone with your thoughts for a couple seconds, like maybe it's just easy to get into your own head, overthink your form a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's- like, I I know, like if someone was guarding me, my, like my shooting percentage is very low when I played basketball. Like I was not a a high scorer. but like, if I got fouled, like I just followed my exact, like same routine from you know the free throw line i would take my three dribbles exhale take a deep deep exhale and then i would shoot the free throw and just kind of get in in that relaxed state kind of zoning everything out like it didn't matter how loud the gym was like it's like i was there by myself like that's that's how the the free throw was and my percentage it obviously wasn't like amazing or anything like it's probably like 80 percent but like I don't know. Yeah. That's something that's Better always remote. surprised me about like college basketball. Yeah,
1: for sure. True. Cool. I got some wrestling
0: stuff here. You want to talk about that? Yes. Let's talk some wrestling. Awesome. Penn State wrestling, doing wrestling things. You're right. How excited are you for this matchup this coming weekend? We got oh, two mean, of them. It, It's huge. Yeah. I mean, anytime that Penn State wrestles
1: Iowa, it's, it's enormous. Like there's always so much on the line. It's like It's like Alabama playing LSU. Or Georgia or something like that. Like there's so many implications for the conference, individual rankings, the like the dual meet conference championships and stuff like that. Seedings for the big 10 tournaments and everything. like there's so many different facets or ways to look at this matchup that make it significant. And the fact that like historically, Iowa is the most successful college wrestling program of all time. Kale Sanderson is Definitely chipping away, like at the at that deficit with each passing year. But yeah, by, like in terms of like historical success, Iowa is you know on that on a tier separate from everyone else. But yeah, I mean this this particular matchup is is huge because I mean almost half of the wrestlers on Penn State's side is ranked number one in their respective weight classes. They have a tremendous pool of young talent who is really shining for them right now, and the likes of Braden Davis, Tyler Cassick, and Mitchell Mesenbrink. I mean like and of course you have you know your all-stars like Starachi, Brooks, Kirkfleet and Levi Haynes who's still young in his own right just continuing to just absolutely crush things but yeah I mean so that that's going to be fun but also wanted to uh, quickly recap like what happened with Ohio State because that was the matchup that you know in hindsight definitely could have been the BJC duel matchup just given that it was a top 10 matchup you know obviously there's like tons of familiarity between the programs just mm-hmm. with across all sports. Ohio State was ranked number seven at the time that Penn State wrestled them. I'm not sure what their ranking is right now, but Penn State did come out of that one winning 28 to nine. There were some updates or some upsets on uh, Penn State's end, which were a little surprising. Definitely didn't see Bernie Truax getting pinned in his matchup. He was ranked number five at his weight class. So that was a bit surprising, but Kale didn't see him too concerned about that particular result. Kind of said, you know, like these guys, like there's, there's ups and downs, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster over the course of the season. Like these guys know how to lock in and like they've kind of shown time and time again when it comes to like Big 10 and NCAA tournament time, like that's definitely the case. So, you know, just got to kind of regroup and just kind of get back to basics a little bit, wrestle your way back into like that top five conversation. Braden Davis at one twenty five continued his his undefeated streak with his true freshman season. He did have a very close finish to that match. I'm not sure if you saw any of the some of the videos of that finish of that matchup, but it was basically this wild scramble between him and his opponent trying to like Davis was trying to avoid getting taken down, and his opponent was like a hair's width away from like getting the positioning. Behind him to secure those two points, which ultimately would have won him the match. So there was a wild scramble at the end. There was a there was an official review. Personally, I thought it could it could go either way because Davis definitely kept moving, but like the position of his opponent was like pretty strong and a little convincing in my opinion. But obviously, being a homer, I was I was glad like <laughs> with the result. But nonetheless, so you had him. Did Ohio State throw the challenge brick? Oh yeah, like whatever. I don't, know. I don't like there really wasn't like a brick at that point because it was like basically the end of the ma- end of the match. It was like at the end of the third period, so I don't think there was a need for a brick. I think they just had <laughs> to yell, <laughs> but that was that was kind of the case. But. Yes, he had him. Mitchell Mezenbrink obviously won. Tyler Cassick has really shown up at, at 149 pounds. That was a weight class that Penn State has kind of been trying to figure out, like what exactly they're going to do. Like they've got some good depth. They've got some guys that they can like slot in at different weight classes and still feel good about. Cassick at 149 was still kind of like a thing that they were kind of feeling out. He upset his opponent. His opponent from Ohio State was ranked higher than him at the time of that matchup, and Cassick won rather convincingly and we're talking about i believe it was a freshman versus a senior wrestler so definitely a huge disadvantage in terms of experience but still won by a pretty decisive margin so that was awesome sriracha he did not 100% roll as far as like what his standards are you know just with his high scoring i guess pace you'll call it kind of held on for a slim margin of victory but he did win but his fellow 61 in a row that is true yep so kept the streak alive his fellow number one wrestlers at their respective weight classes, uh, Levi Haynes, Aaron Brooks, and Greg Kirk they all dominated. So they, they all won by comfortable margins. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, it was uh, 28 to 9, sent the Buckeyes packing once again on the wrestling match. And God damn it, if only we could get one of those in football.
0: All right. I'm just like, man, we beat Ohio State in hockey, wrestling, volleyball, like basketball. One time basketball, one time. I'm like, why can't we do this on on the gridiron? Like, yep. Oh man, like it's frustrating for sure. That's why we have Julian Fleming now. He's gonna make it happen. He he's gonna turn the ties, man. But yeah, I would say in wrestling, like the challenge break, like it's that's like one of those things you you put on a TikTok and it's like I can't believe I was this many years old when I discovered like the throwing brick. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, like the, the foam wet, brick. The I was like, wait, do like a fan just throw something onto the mat like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably my 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 favorite thing. But I do think you bringing up Julian Fleming is a really great segue because while we acquired Julian Fleming from the Buckeyes, the Buckeyes hired a former Penn State head coach in Bill O'Brien. So. There's been some rumblings in Boston College's coaching search because their coach recently accepted another job, and Bill O'Brien is a candidate being in the Boston area with the New England Patriots, that he's been an interview and hot candidate for that position. So with Bill O'Brien, I guess we'll make this a two-part question. One, what do you think Bill O'Brien is going to bring to the Ohio State offense? And two, how big of a loss would this be or Ohio State, if Bill O'Brien leaves to go to Boston College to take over the head coaching job at that program? Right.
1: So, to answer your first question, I think he brings a lot to Ohio State. I mean, say what you will about his tenure as a head coach in the NFL, as an offensive coordinator, minus, I would guess, you know, maybe this most recent stint as the Patriots offensive coordinator, he's been tremendously successful. And that includes, I believe it was like at least one national champion championship campaign at Alabama. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he, he's been at the helm of some very effective and high scoring offenses that included some guys who, who could move around, you know, similar to like how Will Howard can, can move. I mean, he's not, I mean, I wouldn't classify him as like a run first, like Tim Tebow, like quarterback, but he can still scramble. He can still extend the play and uh, get outside the pocket and do some things downfield. So I think that he was Like, I don't want to say he was like kind of the centerpiece of what was gearing up to be like the most lethal offense in in college football. But as far as like names go, you know, for people that you'd want leading it, designing it, calling the plays for it, like you could do a lot worse in that department, in my opinion. So as far as him leaving to go potentially to Boston College, you know, first of all, I think that's, it's interesting, you know, because I, I, I wonder like how often Bill has thought about becoming a head coach again in the college ranks because like there were, I I believe like the rumors back when he was at Penn State was that he wasn't exactly thrilled about like going on recruiting visits and stuff like that, like kind of going through Mm -hmm. that part of the job. And you even have some guys out there like Halfley who left the BC job kind of say like, you know, he was getting kind of tired of like those long, grueling recruiting trips because he recalled a day like where he had traveled like hundreds of miles to see three kids over the course of one day. And instead, he just wants to coach football. Like he just wants to like be in the room, be with the guys, coaching football, figure out, figuring out ways for them to win and letting the guys who are on the team be the concern of like the, of the GM and stuff like that. So with today's college football recruiting world, with the added layer of NIL, I'm curious about like how that's factored into Bill's decision-making if he does end up going with the Eagles. So I think that's interesting, but on the Ohio state side of things, it's like, you know, you made the quip in our group text that you think that you could take this offense to (laughs) a big 10 title. And I'm just going to say like, I think you're more right than you are wrong in that situation. I think that, you know, you're going to have to find a guy who like just would, you know, drive a, Drive a car into a ditch equivalent of like, you know, this, this <laughs> offense, like they're, they're Ohio State. They've got the clout. They've got the pole. They've got the, you know, the status in college football to grab some really talented, some really smart people out there to come in. And I mean, just with the talent that they've got coming back, I mean, like how, how much more appealing could it be to kind of be at the head of this, of an offense like this? So I don't think it's going to be a tremendous ball. I mean, I think it's definitely, it was unexpected for them. But I think that, you know, Ohio State isn't going to have like too, too much trouble finding a suitable replacement, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think so. And if you look at, you know, some of those transfers that did go from Alabama to Ohio State, they might have had some experience with Bill O'Brien. And that might have been the reason they wanted to go there. Maybe you know, having having one coach that they're familiar with, Nick Saban leaving from some high program. So I think that you know, could maybe play a factor. Maybe you'll see them go somewhere else, you know, because the transfer curious, portal, though, they, like,
1: I think they all transferred before O'Brien was named as, as OC though.
0: Okay. that I guess that makes sense. And like Ohio state, they got, they got some boosters, they got some deep pockets to, you know, pay these guys in terms of NIL. And I think that can be a, a big factor as well. And then with Nick Saban, not being there, you know, kind of hanging up the, the whistle or the clipboard, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's your equivalent for the coach. The polo. Uh, hanging up the polo. Yeah, so a lot of those guys ended up going there. And, you know, I'm sure they were pretty thrilled when O'Brien was hired. You know, there's that always a, another wave of the transfer portal that does happen. Like you saw Storm Duck leave Penn State last year. I don't know if Devin Carter was in that part, that, that second group as well. I think he transferred out earlier. He he never came to Penn State. He committed to Penn State and then committed elsewhere. So okay, he, ne- yeah. he never made it to state college. Yeah, so he went to West Virginia before even yep making the trip to Happy Valley. But Storm Duck was here and then ended up transferring. Forget where he transferred to, to Louisville. Louisville, and they had a really good season last year. So yeah, I guess it worked out pretty well for him. But yeah, so you never know what's going to happen in the portal. Always exciting to see who's going where. Recruiting always exciting. Andrew, how has Penn State been doing on the recruiting front? Man, what a what a tee up! I love it. Yeah, so this week has been has been
1: busy for Penn State on the recruiting front, continuing the tradition or the influx or the pipeline, whatever you want to call it. Linebacker, you Penn State picked mm-hmm. up two commitments from blue chip linebackers, Deshawn Burnett and Alex Tatch. I hope I'm pronouncing those names correctly some interesting notes about both these guys. They're both four-star recruits in pretty much all of the high school recruiting databases. And they're both from the Pittsburgh area. Burnett is like <laughs> right in Pittsburgh and Tatch is in Latrobe, which is like like a suburb of, of Pittsburgh. So Western- Take that, guys, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, yeah. Both these guys had offers from from Pitt. I believe both had offers from West Virginia as well. So yep. yeah, Penn, Penn State pulling both of them. So definitely cool to see. You no, know, I guess when you, when you look at guys like Abdul Carter and Tony Rojas, it's not not that difficult to say, yeah, I want to play with those guys.
0: Yeah, Penn State definitely has an embarrassment of riches at the linebacker position. Like we we're blessed, man, at that at that position group and really look forward to seeing the squad we get next year with like Abdul Carter, Tony Rojas. Like it's it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah. And Kobe
1: King, I mean, he he came a long way Kobe King. in 2023, so he's he's going to be a fun one to watch, too.
0: Yeah. And I don't think we really necessarily did this as like a most improved player award, but in my book, I think Kobe King, like, oh, hands down. Really? Yeah. Definitely like he'd be yeah. one of the first guys I would think of. And like, oh, from like the previous year, like he definitely made the most improvement to his game. Yeah. I mean, I would say so. Yeah. I, you could even like give that to
1: a couple of linebackers. I think. I mean, like DeLuca came a long way, mm-hmm. you know, he just some big
0: plays. Yeah. I mean, who else, who else would you put in that category? Maybe, I mean, KJ Winston didn't really play much, so he didn't really get to see how good he was. Right. This year, he was awesome. You could probably put Daquan Hardy in that conversation too. Yeah. Kick return.
1: I guess we're, we're not going to name any wide receivers though, are we? (laughs)
0: Yeah. That was a, you know, a bit of a struggle for sure. That's all right. Yeah. uh, and then, like you have like early Fashanu, who's just like awesome. Top Robinson Crush, is awesome yeah. both years. Like it, it, they're kind of victims of their own success when it comes to that category. True, I guess Caden Wallace, you you could say some good things about though. He he really stepped up. Yeah, I think he he made a nice improvement from the previous year because like I remember the, in the previous year I was like, oh god, like our right side is getting killed all the mm-hmm. time, and this year I, I didn't really notice that as much on the film. So I think I think you know. A lot of the credits due to him and Drew Shelton for for stepping up, and JB Nelson. I mean, he he was on the right side too, right at guard. Yeah, he was at guard, and man, it was tough when he went down with injury because like sure was. He's a big dude; like no one is running through him. Like I I met him. Well, I guess I walked by at like a banquet or something, and like the banquet was over in his presence. I was in his presence, and. He, we were both just kind of walking through, going like opposite ways, and he was like very politely, like "Excuse me," and I was like, "Yes, you have the right of way. You are twice my size, at least." Like, <laughs> yeah. It was
1: that was always so. I mean, I don't want to say funny, but it was so obvious. Like when you saw the linemen on campus, because they're all like they they travel in packs. They're all enormous. They're decked head to toe in like the Penn State football sweats, and like normally you'd see them like around the, like the dining commons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the one, the one place that I really liked to go to when I was on campus, if I, like, you know, before I moved off campus was uh Redifer, which was like basically like this big food court commons. Mm-hmm. So every time I'd like see them, they just have like a mountain of food, like multiple sandwiches, you know, <laughs> like a couple, a couple of drinks, definitely at least one like water bottle and stuff like that. Like they, they balled out.
0: Yeah. Dude, I, Lyman, and they, they eat so much, man. Like it's, it's insane. Just, like, the amount of calories you need to maintain that muscle mass is just crazy. And, like, I remember I had, like, classes with, like, Spencer Myers in high school. And, like, he was, like, wrestling, like, heavyweight at, like... Mm-hmm. Or, actually, he was 215. In college, he went to heavyweight because I don't think they have, like, a 215 or something. But, like, regardless, like, I think he would have, like, four sandwiches as, like, snacks and, like, a couple bags of chips and, like, just all this food. I Like, I think he ended up wrestling at Maryland and they did like an article, like following him, like following him for like a day of his training and like just the food he, like he was eating. I was like, yep, that's the Spencer. <laughs> like,
1: yep. He always had so much food. Exactly.
0: Yeah. He was in all the classes, but he was a big dude. Ma, 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 like definitely like one of the best athletes I've just ever been in like the presence of like state champion football, state champion wrestling, like ninth place in the discus. And like, you know, really, he worked like, Two months out of the year because he was wrestling for so long through like March and stuff, so like barely made it to like track season on time. And then also one of like one of the best discus throwers in the state. Like he could like palm a discus, like just, right, just one of those like freak athletes where you're like, wow, this this dude's good at everything. Yep. So let's talk about some other guys who are,
1: who are really good. Particularly still on the football side of things. So recently, or I guess I should say this past weekend, was the Reese's Senior Bowl out in Mobile, Alabama, a place for seniors. And now they expanded it to junior players to go and showcase their skills for a bunch of NFL scouts and Journalists and stuff like that. I know that there was there was a decent number of beat writers for the Eagles, uh, some media personalities that were out there to cover the event. But some names really did stick out for Penn State, namely Adisa Isaac and Theo Johnson. Uh, definitely got a lot of love and a lot of praise out of the Senior Bowl. Every time I was checking in on Twitter for the Senior Bowl, it seemed like Adisa Isaac was getting props from everyone, including like Lewis Riddick and a bunch of other guys who are very well known. And, and well respected in the NFL. They just kind of said things along the line of like every time I turn my head, Adisa Isaac is like, you know, getting into the backfield again and stuff like that. So he really flashed. And Theo Johnson also was getting a ton of love. And he was actually named the top tight end on the national team, which I guess is, you know, the, the one half of the squad that mm-hmm. he was on in a vote from the linebackers and teammates at practice player of the week award ceremony at the Reese Senior Bowl. So Vince, your prediction or your call of Theo Johnson kind of rising up those uh, draft boards, uh, really getting into the favor of those NFL scouts and GMs. I don't think it's very far off.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to be a second round guy, just like Brendan Strange. That's kind of where I see him falling. Uh, I think Adisa Isaac will be kind of that similar range second Mm -hmm. round. I think he'll be a day two guy, very high day two. And you might even, you never know, you might even see him or maybe one team falls in love with him at the end of the first round. And maybe he's the end of first round guy, kind of like Arnold Abiquetti or no, Abichetti was a second round guy. He went to the he Falcons. Was. Yeah. So I, I think he's going to be on that Arnold Abiquetti type of draft range. That's what I would expect. Yeah. Adisa Isaac, I also met him at the, the banquet or just kind of like got to observe as he got his like four awards or whatever. And, you know, he like definitely the, the, the I guess the vibe I got from him, he's like all business, man. Like he's, yeah, you know, real professional, knows what he's love doing, it. and yeah. you know is like really serious about football, and and real definitely looks like someone who's like very disciplined and carries himself well. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if he's very successful at the next level. Cool, I love it. I mean, I, I would say that Ebiketti was uh, kind of like
1: that draft player comparison I would kind of point to for him mm-hmm. when it comes to Penn State.
0: So, yeah, hopefully he finds uh, some more success. Yeah. we. I, I love how that we both in our brains without communicating this, have the same player comp in our head for Disa Isaac. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I guess that's what happens when you, when, I mean, how long have we been doing this now for a little About over a year and a half. half? Yeah. Yeah. So that happens. Cool. What are your thoughts on the big 10 sec partnership?
0: Do you want to expand on that a little bit? I, I, I didn't uh, catch the news. Sure. So in the world of college football, The Big Ten
1: and the SEC kind of dropped a little bit of a bombshell on the rest of the, I guess I'll say like the universe, the community, the world of college football in that they are forming an advisory committee. And there's still a little bit of kind of gray area attached with all of this because what they have said is that they're forming this partnership or this coalition To address some of the most pressing matters of college football. Now that leaves a ton of room open for interpretation. So you can take that like almost literally any way you want. And there's been some other follow-up questions and answers and observations and stuff like that. I believe it was Feinbaum said that they formed this partnership because there was a need for leadership in college football, which to me is kind of, you know, a bit of a slap in the face, a bit of like, you know. Like, hey, you're not as relevant anymore to the NCAA, which I think is interesting given how hard the NCAA is coming at programs like Tennessee. So that that's one thing. Number two, this has potentially massive implications for the rest of college football because you're taking the two biggest, most powerful conferences in the entire college football world and. Now all of a sudden they're in cahoots with each other talking about like the future of the sport, the most pressing matters of their business and stuff like that. And somebody even made the point that with the number of teams that are collected between those two conferences, they could just stage their own national championship every year.
0: So Yeah, they're they're <laughs> that big place. where like they could almost be like the NFL, but like, you know, with their but we have eighteen teams now and they have sixteen. I believe so, yeah. So you could have a 34 teams. That's not that much different than the NFL, and it's it's, they, it's
1: exactly like a professional sports league.
0: Yeah, it could be like that, and they they might branch off from the NCAA. Like you see the NCAA, there's definitely a lack of leadership, especially when it comes to you know college football. You you saw the you know playoff committee fiasco with Florida State. You know, you're a Power yeah. Five conference champion and undefeated, and you don't go. And then there's that. Big debacle, and then Georgia doesn't go. And like when you watch Michigan and University of Washington play, you're like, Georgia probably would have beat both of them. Like they just something happened in the, you know, SEC championship, and Alabama seems to have their number. And really, it, it was a Georgia false start penalty that cost them five yards where they missed a field goal instead of making it. So, like, it was something kind of fluky like that that made the game not go into overtime. And it's just a a weird thing. And like, I don't blame the big 10 and the sec for wanting to do this and having some more clear cut standards, like every other sport for getting to a championship, like in college basketball, you know, you can make the argument that, Hey, you didn't win your conference championship. So how, what makes you think you're going to win the NCAA title? Like you can make that argument for those teams who get left out. It's like, well, you should have won your conference championship. Well, Florida State, they did that and they got left out. And I think it was kind of silly for them to only have four teams go and there's five power five conferences. That didn't make sense to me. Eight always seemed like the perfect number. But yeah, that's the NCAA. They don't always do the most logical thing. And I think fans are sick of it. I think the Big Ten and the SEC is sick of it the sec didn't see a representative in the national championship for the first time. And since 2014 or 2015. So it like, and I, I think we're all just kind of sick of the NCAA and they never seemed, you know, be like in chart, like they they just don't run it. Well, like you look at Michigan with their placed sign, stealing allegations, NCAA didn't do shit. They have the role, but they didn't do shit. Like it's like, well, what are they doing? So I think, The fact that the Big Ten and the SEC are, you know, maybe not forming a committee, but maybe trying to get some leadership in place so that you have clear roles, clear expectations, clear penalties, clear paths for getting to championships. I think that's really what the NCAA needs in terms of college football. Like they seem to get things right with like track and field. Like they have, you know, two regionals, they have a West and an East. And whoever gets like the best top places goes like, or there's something for that or for the division two level, it's whoever runs the fastest times they take it. They have an automatic qualifying standard and a provisional. And the way that works for track and field is if you hit the automatic qualifying time, you go no matter what. And that at times, obviously very, very like fast or a very, very far throw or jump or, you know, they'll take like 18 people and you have to either hit the automatic time and you have to at least hit the provisional time. So there might be less than 18 people in an event if no one hits that provisional time throughout the course of the season. And it's very clear cut expectations. It's very clear that the best athletes go to the championships and basketball, they do a great job. Football, it's just, it's a debacle
1: and it's a mess. Some strong words there. I like it. Some hot takes and everything in between. Yeah. So I think everything that you said there could potentially come to pass. I think, you know, nobody really knows exactly what the full range of things that this partnership or this coalition is planning to do either openly or behind closed doors. So that's obviously going to play itself out like over you know, obviously next season and everything like that. So we'll see just like, just how far this thing is, is gonna go. But I, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's a little interesting timing just given like what has been happening with the NCAA in terms of like their handling of certain situations and kind of trying to bring their hammer down on like certain scenarios and not so much on others. And the fact that they're, they're kind of just flexing their muscles and saying like, we know how much power we have collectively between the two of us in in the world of college athletics, like not even just football, like just all of college athletics. So like, if we form this kind of partnership and we like, and we decide to like do certain stuff, there's really not that much that you can do to stop us. So I think this is something that the NCAA and the powers that be there are going to be very interested to see how this develops and like the directions that they're going to be kind of going in terms of like what kinds of changes they're going to try to implement in college football, because it's, it's, it's just, going to be wide sweeping you know like because if the ncaa is going to try to like keep their their golden gooses that exist in these two conferences like they're almost going to have to like kowtow a little bit to like what they're asking for and another thing on this i think that this definitely raised the eyebrows of schools like florida state and clemson who have been rumored to be kind of conference shopping because if you know because right now if like what, if everything that you just said kind of comes to pass, you're kind of like, you're either in or you're out. And most, most likely you want in. So <laughs> it's like, if you want in, you got to get in. And like in is with the big 10 and the SEC right now.
0: Yeah. And if you're like just a, a general fan of college football and there's, you know, a big 10 SEC, like is off separate by itself. And you have like the rest of college football with the NCAA you're not going to watch the NCAA. The best teams are Ooh, yeah. in the Big Ten and the SEC. Like you're, yeah. you're going to dedicate your time to watching that. And who do you think Fox is going to want to throw their like whatever billion dollar media deal at? At the world famous Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, world famous, right? So uh, that's what's going to happen. So I, I do think that it's good that the Big Ten and the SEC is doing this you definitely have heard coach Franklin saying that like college football needs a commissioner. That's very consistent and has clear expectations. I think that's, you know, very fair. You know, you see that with the Michigan science dealing thing where nothing really happened and like other things, they're, you know, very hard at enforcing and like it, it, it there's no consistencies there. And with NIL playing such a, a big deal and having no regulation in that regard, it, it, and it can really upset the the balance of college football and like competitive advantage. Because let's let's be honest, it's like Major League Baseball, where you know the people with the money and like the big media markets in Major League Baseball, they get the best players. Typically, it's not your Cincinnati Reds or like Pittsburgh Pirates. It's like your big cities that have a very large media market that are very passionate about their teams, and that's kind of the direction we're going. And whatever you know university has the biggest fan base and the donors with the biggest pockets that's the that's the the programs that are you know getting the best players right now well said yeah it's uh, proof is in the pudding as
1: you know as we've seen with ohio state and with uh some other programs out there so cool any other thoughts on that
0: yeah i think a commissioner would be good you look at the nfl and they have like a salary cap and it's great because a team like the Detroit lions can go for and 16 and a decade or two later, they're in the NFC championship and very close to making a super bowl. And that would not happen without a salary cap or like donors. Like if you're looking at donors, like you'd have like, you know, Dallas would be a powerhouse team, green Bay, Pittsburgh, Philly. Like they have very passionate fan bases, probably the Patriots. And like, those would be like your biggest teams, probably like consistently in the long term. If it was like college football is now, true. You probably chuck L. A. Yeah. in there too. Eh, I don't know about the Rams and Chargers. Like, well, I think not. Francisco market.
1: The Dodgers oh, yeah, have like the most money of any team in baseball. So you don't think any of that money would go to like the Rams or the or the Chargers? Did you see the Rams Super Bowl parade? I mean, I'm not going to say that they have like the most passionate <laughs> fan base. I'm just saying, in terms of a market, like it's it's L.A. and New York. Yeah, true. I, I don't know. like like the you amount know. of money that the Dodgers were able to spend on Otani and their their newest edition, whose name I am blanking on, like is is obscene. So if if they're able to like spend the amount of money based on like the location and the market that they were in, like kind of like how baseball is, like yeah. It, like I'm not going to sit here and say that you know all of a sudden like the Rams or the or the Chargers turn into like Kansas City. I'm just saying that there there be there there would be no shortage of cash.
0: But dude, like look look at state college. Like we're doing very well for NIL, and we're in like the middle of Central PA, and the population's like forty thousand people.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know we got. I mean, what was the most recent thing put out there that you know the. Second highest number of CEOs for companies on LinkedIn come from Penn State, so you know there's money out there.
0: Good number, yeah,
1: not too shabby. Well,
0: glad but they're glad they're on our side.
1: <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Yeah, so that we we can fund things like Julian Fleming's brilliant appearance in a Blaze Alexander car dealership yeah. commercial.
0: Yeah, which I outside of like that commercial, I I love the. You know, like him having the sledgehammer and like smashing the car. That was awesome. Like you need someone with that type of energy. Oh it was great uh, on the squad. Uh speak, speaking of cars, did you see Carson Beck got a Lambo? I did. Two hundred like seventy five thousand dollars. Like, man, just like you know, you hear you hear like Nolan Smith talking about how great Georgia is with like eating steak and lobster every single night for dinner and like, you know, their quarterbacks getting a Lambo, which you know. Yep. He's gonna have a financial advisor, I'm sure. Like being like, hey, don't be an idiot. But like so, like he probably does have enough money for that. Like a lot of people are dumb and they spend that much money on a car. Cause if they do get that money and then like, you know, it's gone. But like he probably like has other money in like stocks and savings, maybe real estate, like just a well diversified portfolio, but also has that enough money left over for that. Yes, but my prediction is that he got it for free. But yeah, that's another possibility. Yeah. University of Georgia sponsored by Lamborghini. Go dogs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it
1: could, it could just be like, I mean, I don't know how many, how many Lambo dealerships there are near Athens, Georgia, or in the state of Georgia in general, but either way. Yeah. Cause I mean, it was like, uh, Shiloh Sanders out in Colorado, he got, I think it was like a G wagon and he got it custom coded like with the University of Colorado colors. So it's uh-huh. like. Hmm. Like,
0: that's cool. You know, these kids are
1: (laughs) driving around in these tricked-out cars.
0: Did you see, like, all the Sanders brothers, like, all chipped in to buy Dion, like, a fancy mansion in in Boulder? Yeah. That was crazy. Like, man, just to have that much money for doing a sport. I'm just like, man, I wish I was, like, good at football and not distance running. I'm like, man, I'd be set. Like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, man. Yeah, I mean, you who's uh, in the midst of house
0: buying right now that would
1: certainly be a nice luxury
0: oh yeah and i'm like i don't need a mansion to be happy man i just need like a roof over your head a roof over my head something that's nice has enough room to fit my stuff and and your bikes I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty minimalist like give me my bikes and i'm good that's all that's all i need good stuff cool you got anything else i've got some housekeeping notes but any other penn state related things that are on your mind just really excited to uh take down Iowa le- this week. Let's make it a trifecta. Let's get men's basketball, women's basketball and wrestling.
1: Oh Man, there's that, some big expectations on the especially on the women's side. Got to <laughs> overcome the uh the mountain that is Caitlin Clark. So, we'll we'll see. Ashley Owusu, you're our only hope. Um, <laughs> So yeah, good stuff. On the housekeeping side of things, I wanted to mention this in our last pod, but I forgot. We have a new look. So if you follow us on social media, or if you are subscribed to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever, you have likely noticed that our logo has changed. And that is because we wanted to kind of move the Nittany Blues podcast into a new era, just in terms of our appearance. We wanted to make our our logo our cover art a little more sleek a little more modern while still keeping true to some of the aesthetic that we created with our original logo but also making sure that we're staying true to like some of the feelings and the emotions and the kind of visuals of penn state you know with that blue stripe and everything like that so if you're seeing that and you're curious about it no you're not going crazy like yes there was a change so you'll likely see that on your on on our socials, if you follow us, uh, which you're, if you're not following us, definitely follow us. We post all <laughs> of our updates there, so definitely worth the the like or the follow, whatever the case may be. But also, pretty soon we're going to be coming out with new merch. So obviously, all of our merch has our logo on it, which is uh, you know essentially I, I don't want to say it's outdated, but you know we're they have the old logo on them right now. So we're going to be working on some new merch that's going to incorporate the new logo, that sleek new look that's going to be on our shirts, long sleeve shirts, hoodies, hats, et cetera, and so. Like that, so uh, keep an eye out on our website nittanyblues.com for that. We'll also post updates on our socials. So again, follow us if you don't already to be some of the first to know. And we'll probably run some kind of campaign for you to get a percentage off, like a new merch order. If you're looking to kind of fill out your your Penn State wardrobe, you know, especially if you're going to be going to the Blue and White game here in a couple months, might be a good time to pick something like that up. We've also outside of our logo, we've got some cool stuff that we pretty much guarantee you'll find nowhere else. Some cool Penn State football and basketball references in our merch that we work really hard on, and we think you'll enjoy.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. It starts with I love you. It ends with I love you. And I want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.